When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Right, before we get into this week's episode, a big thank you to our sponsors, The Week Junior, the very best magazine for kids, if I might say so myself. My kids love it. It's filled with the latest news from around the world, incredible stories, and mind-blowing facts. Ready for a fact? Yes. I love this fact. I actually have... I think I've, I've heard something around this fact before, but every time I hear it again, it, it, it blows my mind. And your kids are going to love this as well, right? Sharks. Okay, when you go in the sea, if you're like me and you're not, you're not sure about swimming and stuff, I'm always worried about what's underneath. Mm-hmm. I think a shark is about to attack me and we could be on the beach in Bournemouth. It's not really going to happen. You know what I mean? You never know. You know, that that's a statistic for you. You say that, do you know you are more likely to die from a vending machine falling on your head than a shark attack? Really? Yeah. That's how... Oh. Honestly, that's how rare shark attacks yeah. are. Have you ever walked past a vending machine and been concerned that it might fall on you? Never. <laughs> now you are. No, but now, look what you've got and done. There's me swimming in Bournemouth thinking that... I'm going to get killed by a shark. Now I'm going to go past a vending machine and think I'm going to get fallen. A vending machine fall on me. Oh, mate. Stats don't lie, right? Stats don't lie. Stats don't lie. It's science. Um, I've got a good fact. This is from um, The Week Junior. Uh, I couldn't believe this when I read it. Did you know that 12% of people dream in black and white? Huh? <laughs> really? Yes. Do you, I, I, then I start thinking, oh, do I dream in black and white? But I don't think I do. So when it comes to dreaming, we dream in the TV world in the 60s. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, it could be my my parents' generation. The dream, yeah. That's the 12%. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah. don't we dream in like 4D IMAX? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> augmented reality. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, come on. But there you go. There's so many facts in the week, Junior. And the best bit is that you can now get six free issues by signing up with the link in the description so go to theweekjunior.co.uk forward slash dadsnet hyphen 23 to get your six issues free a dadsnet original podcast Welcome to the Dadsnet Podcast with me, JK, and Al. So another guest on the show today. Um, I'm a massive fan, a huge fan of this guy. Very clever, very funny, uh, very intelligent, as you're about to hear as we introduce on the podcast today, Dave Gorman. It's Dave Gorman. Hi, Dave. Hello, how are you? Yeah, all is good. All is good. So, um, touring again, 1st of November, Loughborough Town Hall. Um, are, are you ready for it? I am ready for it. Luckily, it's it's the third leg of a tour. So if, if you're not ready for the third leg, then something would have gone really wrong on the second leg. And if something went really wrong on the second leg, nobody <laughs> would be booking you for a third leg. So yeah, absolutely. Raring to go. And so you're going, you're starting the 1st of November, you're ending on the 13th of December in Bath. Yeah. 
Amazing, and we can find venues in December that aren't in Panto Land, but we found some. <laughs> so yeah, we're going to. Look oh yes, they are. <laughs> <laughs> is it is it tough to tour when when you're a parent? How do you, how do you find it? It's a little bit tricky. It was a it's a bit of a bump in the road when this tour started because because we'd had the lockdown, and so I was basically at home for two years. When the lockdown started, I'd just finished a tour. And because when my son was born, I was always regularly going on tour and it was a kind of normal part of life and we'd all worked out how we'd do it and and I came back often enough and he was used to it. It was fine. Then the lockdown happened. And over those two years, he he basically doesn't remember that dad used to go away a lot. He has no memory of it. So then when I suddenly went on tour, having been the most present dad you could be, because for two years we had no choice. Yeah, uh, that was that was an emotional bump in the road for all of us. That was tricky and, and a bit of an adjustment. But we we kind of we got through it. We've worked it out a bit now. Yeah, I think it is tough. I I can remember you know when 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 you're away and stuff. It's almost you rely sort of like on FaceTime if they're not with you. And it's it, and kids on FaceTime they're not really interested, are they? You sort of go, uh, do, do you want to do you want to see Daddy? And they come up and they go. Ah. And then they run off again and you go, oh. There are things where he, he was, uh, well, he's now eight. Um, but when I was touring last, there'll be times when I'd be in like what I think is a really impressive venue. And we're doing the tech before the show and things. And always, you know, the empty seats kind of in really big rooms in a 2000 seat room, the empty seats in an old fashioned Victorian theater. It looks fantastic from the stage. So I'll get my phone and think, oh, Eric's going to be so impressed by what daddy does when I show him this. Could not give a hoot. Doesn't really understand what I do for a job. Hasn't really got a handle on it. Just looks at a load of empty seats and he's like, can I go and play football now? Can I go and play football now? Dad, why are you stopping playing football? Can I go? Can I go now? Can I? Just not interested. And, and like when he says, you know, can we go and play football? Are you are you a sporty dad? Do you do, you do a lot of stuff with him or are you uh, the non-sporty I'm, I'm, type? I'm quite a sporty dad, but I'm also quite an old dad. Um, this is where you say, oh, you don't look it. Um, <laughs> but I am, I am 52. Wow. Um, and my, okay, my now son you is eight. You don't look 52, to be absolutely honest with you. I'm 48. Bless I you. you. Bless I thought you. you were sort of mid-40s, sort of like, uh, you don't look 52. Yeah, yeah. No, so so um, it's a bit of a struggle. And, and obviously he has no concept of this. This is how... Like, you're being very kind, but my beard is completely silver now. It used to be copper when I was young. It was, it was like my hair was brown and my beard was copper. It's a different sort of two-tone now. The chin strap is completely silver. <laughs> uh, a little while ago, I took my son. There's a We live in Bournemouth. There's this great indoor skate park uh, that you can go to. So I, I'd taken him there one time. And it hadn't opened yet when we got there. I think it opens at 10 or something, and we'd got there at 9. I was like, oh, I'm in the middle of town. There's not a lot open. There's not a lot to do. And I ended up taking him to an ice cream parlor. Just think, like, it's the, I know he'll go in. I know he'll sit still. We can kill an hour in there. It'll be okay. And the guy behind the counter said, oh, you're looking after the grandkid for the day? <laughs> uh, oh. Oh. 
Oh, which I took as two things. One, I look like a granddad, and two, no responsible parent is buying his son ice cream at nine <laughs> o'clock in the morning. That's the granddad level of treat you've gone to there, isn't it? That's grandparents who spoil their kids with nine o'clock ice cream for breakfast. You <laughs> fool! Only a, oh, so you know, I didn't, I didn't have the guts to tell him the mistake he'd made. So I just, went, oh, yeah, yeah. I think having. I I had I had my first child at forty, and I you you right. kind of you don't realise, do you, that they get older, they want to do more, and for, like today, this morning, for instance, this is before we went to school. I I was I I basically dropped my socks, and I had to get Noah, my son, to pick my socks up. Now, it would have been <laughs> it would have been too far to ask him to put the socks on, but. You know, and you, we forget about this when you have kids later in life, which a lot of people are, are seeming to do a bit more now. Uh, we, I, I didn't think about the repercussions of, of later on when they want to, you know, like you say, they, they want you to run alongside them to, to try and learn how to ride a bike. Well, I can do it like twice. I can't do it three or four. Yeah. Times. Yeah. No, it's a- absolutely like I'm when I, when I was, I was in London when he was born, we were living in London at the time. And I didn't feel like an especially old dad there. I don't know what it is, but I, maybe it's just the finances of people are not set up and able to have kids until a bit older because London's so expensive and crazy and difficult. Or what, I don't know what it is, but there were plenty of other dads around my age in that area. I, I didn't feel like a freak. We've left London. We've moved to Bournemouth, and I am the oldest dad in the school year by some distance and I feel it you know everyone is 10 15 years younger than me at the school gate and I and I feel it and I dread I I was so pleased at sports day that there wasn't a a dad's race yeah yeah and when you found out that there wasn't a dad's race so you knew for sure you then went oh why is there not a dad's race I was really looking forward to the trainers and everything yeah (laughs) got the spikes Someone I know, well, you might have him as a guest at some point, but someone I know, his son went to the same school as um, Linford Christie. <laughs> uh, and they had a dad's race no. at their sports day. And Linford did it. <laughs> and, did it? <laughs> yeah, and he just left them all in his dust, obviously. Yeah, yeah, 15 he's... years after retiring, you know, that kind of form doesn't leave you. He's still got it. Yeah, he's still got it. Lim- limbering up on the sidelines, brings out his, what do they call it? The running blocks. He's like, right then, yeah. ready when you are, dads, let's do this. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, so, well, we just, we, we literally we're nicely touched on there to like Linford Christie. When it comes to, like, I have loads of sort of dad WhatsApp groups. We have, we still have an NCT WhatsApp group. We're doing a curry like next week and we still yeah, yeah. keep in touch and stuff like that. Are you any, are you in any sort of like, you know, dad's WhatsApp groups? Are you in any sort of comedian WhatsApp groups? Any, anything like that? There, there is a dad's WhatsApp group. It wasn't NCT for us. It was something similar. Um, I think they called it Bumpin' Baby that we joined. Um, and it was, it's a, it's, we're all still in touch. Certainly four or five of us are still quite regularly in touch. And, um, you know, we, our kids exchange presents on birthdays and things, which are all obviously very similar birthdays. Um, cause that's how we bonded. So yeah, we, and we've been on holiday with a couple from that NCT ish group as well so yeah that those sort of bonds are still there and those those whatsapp groups are there although what happens is we end up with three whatsapp groups for every 
kind of collection of people because you go, here's one for all the families, which is mums and dads are taking part in. Then they'll splinter off into a only the women group. Yep. And they'll splinter off into an only the men group. And the only the men group is silent. <laughs> there is nothing. It will go eight or nine months without any messages whatsoever. And then somebody will post something just going, pint? <laughs> and, yes. And, that, and then it comes to life. Meanwhile, all the kind of logistics of how are we getting here? Who's meeting then? Who's bringing what? That's all happening in the big shared folder. And then every now and then um, our partners go to their group uh, for, to talk about how useless we are, I think. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to, this is our WhatsApp group. So this is, we call it Baby Balls. That's our NCT WhatsApp group. And this was the message yeah. that I received uh, this morning. All right. So this is at 9.07 yeah. this morning. It was from Gordon and Gordon goes, boys, there's a new climbing gym opening this winter in Bromley, which is where I live. And the next, okay, what's the next line from Michael? What's the next line? So there's a new climbing gym. It's a new climbing gym. Uh, does in it Brom have a bar? Yes. <laughs> That's exactly what was said. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the first question after was, does it have a bar? I mean, we have just nailed dad's WhatsApp groups. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I can't believe I got that right, but that's, um, there you go. That that's ex <laughs> truly remarkable. Um, if you, when you get like a, a nice, well-deserved weekend off, how yeah. do you, how do you spend it? What, what's, what for you is like the, the ideal weekend off? And remember you live in a gorgeous place, Bournemouth as well, like Christchurch down there. One of my favorite places, Bournemouth is beautiful. What, what do you do sort of on a decent weekend off? So we, um, my wife and I had our anniversary, uh, last week. Um, and we were able to get, uh, the very rare gift of, um, of babysitting. We, our, our son had, uh, an overnight at one of his best friends. Um, and, uh, we went to a, um, a hotel in the new forest with a nice spa and, uh, and things, except we, we misjudged it. We went for a, I can't name it because it was basically, it was a bit disappointing. <laughs> Lots of things weren't working in the spa. We'd booked into this restaurant. Anyone who lives in the area will recognize it when I say it's a, it's a French restaurant where none of the staff are French, but they all go through the motions of saying bonjour and voila, <laughs> but in quite broad Dorset accents. <laughs> and to make it feel more French, they have got plywood cutouts of French people sitting at fake tables. <laughs> so it's like French cosplay restaurant. Um, the room was a bit disappointing and, and involved sort of, like, you know, like the phone didn't work. We couldn't order anything. We could, lots of stuff was just a bit wrong. And, and we did that thing at the beginning. We'd gone in, we were using the spa facilities and, and whatever. And, and it's our anniversary. Neither of us want to disappoint the other. So we're kind of go. this nice, isn't it? <laughs> neither of us want to admit that this is a bit shit. <laughs> uh, it's only when we're in the restaurant and we've sort of giggled at the plywood cutouts and things uh, and we've had a glass of wine 
we can sort of see in each other's eyes that we both thought the spa was disappointing and the, the room is a bit of a letdown. Uh, and this whole thing is not cheap. Uh, anyway, um, after a couple of glasses of wine, we felt a bit more emboldened and we uh, we made a little complaint and we got upgraded to the bridal suite. Yes! Uh, four poster bed, three room suite. Uh, all this while, incidentally, there was a wedding happening and the bride wasn't in the bridal suite. Uh, they couldn't we afford were. They, did, they didn't want to pay it. They didn't want to pay yeah, the upgrade. And, and that is my... That is my perfect kind of weekend. It starts no. off disappointing. We complain. We get a sweet upgrade. <laughs> to a four-poster bed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the, the actual restaurant you described sounded like Faulty Towers. <laughs> I mean, like, is it, 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 it looks like, I did genuinely, actually, the food was great. I have no complaints about anything that happened in that restaurant. You just walk into it and go, oh, has nobody told them? <laughs> we don't fall for this. This is not working. Um, it just looks a bit weird and embarrassing. Food was absolutely delicious. No complaints at all. Isn't it really nice when you can get away just you and the other half? And I, and I think this is such an important thing to do because I always say that you were, you were a couple before children. You know, this is how it all started. This is how you came to have children. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I think it's such an important thing to do. And I would recommend this to, anyone grab a babysitter or that you, you know grandparents whoever you can your next door neighbor as long as they're okay grab grab that babysitter because i think it's so important to have time for just you and the other half it's a it is a hard thing to do though i i, I have a lot of sympathy for people who struggle with it we had great difficulty finding babysitters regularly one of the things that has helped us enormously and this feels kind of conniving in its own way but it goes back to during lockdown at the beginning of lockdown, it was actually a kind of sweet time. My boy wasn't yet in school. He was in nursery. It was weirdly sunny in March. We put a paddling pool in the garden and we hung out together and it all felt kind of nice. But it stretched on and on and on. And, and sort of, I don't know how many months, he didn't play with another child. Yeah. And that was weird. We've got an only child. Um, and the way he played with us changed so playing with him became like being part of a really bad impro troupe where the boss is unhappy <laughs> like he'd say i'm an egg you're a dinosaur hatch me <laughs> and I'd, ha I'd have to sit on him and he would hatch <laughs> and then i'd be told off for being the wrong sort of dinosaur mum <laughs> so I, I was being a pterodactyl and I should have known we were diplodocuses or whatever it was, you know, like I just, I'd just be told off constantly. And when you see two kids play and they do kind of role play of some kind, if it's like cops and robbers or whatever it is, they somehow negotiate these little bumps in the road. Okay. When I go, you're under arrest. No, I'm not. All right. You're not. <laughs> and it, that they sort of understand that. And for some reason it's really hard for grownups to do. And then when we, we went back into the school for a little bit and then there was another lockdown and we were like, I, I don't want to go another few months of him not seeing another child. It's like, yeah. it's tough. It's really tough. So we got in touch with his best mate's parents um, and they've got two kids and uh, they both were working a lot from home. And, they, you know, so that, that was a, they were in a tough spot as it was. And we just said to them, can we have your son one day a week? Can we bubble with you? If we bubble, 
you can send him to us. We don't want anything in return. We're not sending our lad to you one yeah. day a week. You've got two kids already. You're both working. This is You're having a crazy time. We'd just like our kid to have a mate one day a week, and we'll do the homeschooling with them, but we won't try too hard on it. We'll have Tuesdays or whatever it is where the two boys can play together as well as doing all of this stuff. So they were like, yes, because they got one day a week where they could just concentrate on their daughter because they yeah. were kind of missing, you know, it's tough. What they were doing was tough. So we're like, every kind of work for all of us. But as a result of that, we have got so much credit in the bank with that family. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> we appear to have done the most amazing. I mean, they don't appreciate how much we were making our own lives easier. Yeah. Because yeah, we they, were they, making our they own do lives now. easier. Like, they do now. We so. had <laughs> two, yeah, two boys so much easier than one boy constantly. Cause all yeah. of a sudden we put them on the trampoline, get a load of energy out, have more fun, kick a ball around together, do stuff together. That changed his life, changed our lives for the better. But they've got this thing of for all those months, the Gormans took one of our children in for a day without asking for anything in return. So now we've got, can Eric have a sleepover? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> brilliant we're in we we we've actually been together me and my wife for since 2012 and okay. we, we managed last year or was it this year no it was this year to get away um we're don't don't judge us we're big fans of simply red don't judge us and we found Too out late. that <laughs> oh come on come on show me um we love mick so we we managed to go to italy to uh the, the lucas summer festival and they played this like intimate gig and it was fantastic for us we had the most amazing time and it was great but what i loved was again is this the difference between mum and dad i don't know where charlie blesser was like i hope the kids are okay i hope the dog's okay with um the dog sitter i hope everyone's okay and then we're looking at pictures of the kids and the dog whilst we're sat at, at, at dinner and i'm like and she goes to me <laughs> um do you think about what the kids are doing do you think about you know the dog and at that point what do i do do i be honest <laughs> or because because i'm currently thinking your glass is empty shall i go and get you another drink that's what i was thinking yeah i, I find the um what are you thinking um one of the uh crucial turning points in any relationship because i <laughs> i have that thing where i'll be sitting on the sofa and i'll my wife will say Go on, what are you thinking? Because I look deep in thought. And what I'm really thinking is, I wonder what horses think when they see me on a bicycle. <laughs> yeah, like, and do they realise I'm a man on a bicycle or do they think we're of these other things with wheels? I don't know. I wonder what they think of it all. I don't know. And you can't say that because you've your face was looking profound. Oh, and so I you need to then quickly summon up profound thoughts to um, to not give the lie to your own vapidity. But the problem is, if you answered with that and then asked, you know, the question back to your other half, they would probably say, and I know like Charlie would say something on the lines of, I'm just thinking about tomorrow. Are they having school lunches or are they having school dinners? I'm not <laughs> like, that's where I think that. And I do sometimes think I'm useless and I know that I can do, I do a lot of the, pra look, I'm head of the bins. All right. We know that I'm head of bins. Yeah. 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 And, and if it's a bank holiday, I mean, it's quite difficult to know what happens at that stage. You know, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. and th these are the things that I have to deal with, but I think there's a phrase, isn't it? it it's, 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 you don't seem to take on the mental load. That's what it is. That's the phrase yeah, yeah. that I get quite a bit. 
Well, I find, um, and it's it's because I go away a lot um, that when I'm here, I try to overcompensate and overdo. So absolutely, the the bins are mine. And when I'm on tour, there will be a regular uh, romantic Wednesday text that I send saying, "Don't forget to put the bins out." Because <laughs> when I'm not there, they don't go out, uh, and it's very important they go out. Especially the non-recycling bin every two weeks, or we're in trouble. <laughs> uh, so I, I'll be in charge of all that for sure. But when I'm here, I step it up and I take lots of responsibility for getting the school bag packed and getting school uniform together and whatever. Because I don't, I, I feel guilty about how little I can then do when I'm away. So I overcompensate beforehand. Um, but bins, dishwasher, and weirdly, sewing buttons. There, there, my responsibility. Yeah, right. So I, I do all the sewing in our house as well. I think this yeah. is the thing because one of my, one of the NCT guys that I know also does the sewing, and I don't know. I remember being in textiles class. Mrs. Griffiths was our teacher, and I remember, <laughs> I remember the back row. We were bored one day. You know the sort of, um, you know the sort of dead skin where your fingers join your palm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We, a bit we, callous, sort of. Yeah. yeah. We thought it'd be really funny for the back row to all sew ourselves together. <laughs> I'm very high, very high and, and at one point, and we all did it. So we, we went, there were about six of us on the back row. And from the Luke. The version of the human centipede. Yes. Well, it, was, it started with Luke and it ended with James. I was in the middle somewhere. And then we went three, two, one. And we all put our hands up and said, Miss, we've, we've had an accident. And that, that was our textiles. And, and I don't know how I became. I became really good at, at sewing, and now I do I do all of that sort of stuff in our house. I I generally do all the things that require patience, um, anything remotely crafty, because uh, Mrs. Gorman is is not um, is not a friend to patience. Basically, <laughs> uh, she just wants to be able to do everything immediately, and if you can't do it immediately, she all crafty things sort of end in disaster she once tried to make a christmas wreath and she bought all this stuff from craft shops and whatever and within 15 minutes it had all been stuffed into a vase (laughs) because she thought that might be okay as a table setting and then it got quietly thrown away and we went to the shop and bought a christmas wreath but she she believes in herself that she might be crafty and then isn't when it yeah. when it comes to it every single time. Yeah, she once cut our son's hair. His very first haircut uh, was done at home. Hair was getting over his eyes, and she sat him down and thought, "I can do this." And forty minutes later, he was in a barber's chair having <laughs> a rescue job because she just got impatient and went and tried to do it quickly, and he just ended up looking like Blackadder the first. <laughs> Yeah, I can picture it. Yeah. When you like, I wonder what the barber actually thinks when, when you do turn up with a rescue job. Do you think they just kind of go, do, do they have that smug look on their face going, you thought it was easy, didn't you? Didn't you? <laughs> well, I, I, again, lockdown shapes this a bit because I, I cut my own hair during lockdown and I think I, it went wrong once, but I, I would have the, my stand back position, my fall back position would be, I'll just shave it off. Yeah, I'll go, I'll go grade two. It's fine. I can cope. I can I can carry that. So I can yeah. sort of do that and get on with it and let it grow back again. But most of the time, I got it right. 
But even then, I'm, I'm sort of patient enough to go about the job a bit more thoughtfully. And, and again, Mrs. Gorman will sort of go, oh, do you want me to help? <laughs> no, <laughs> no. Fine, thanks. This is too much. No, I love you. And if yeah. you start cutting my hair, that's going to be put under pressure. So no. <laughs> you know where, where, where your sort of, your boundaries are. And I think you're right. There is a boundary there. Let's, let's not cross it. Um, let's quickly, yeah. so we talked, we talked about parenting and, uh, and, and loved it. Let's talk about sort of work. You know, what, what is your, in fact, no, we'll ask, I'll ask first question. What is your proudest oh. parenting moment? As we're on the parenting section, what's your proudest parenting moment? Um, my proudest parenting moment um, is, uh, are children listening to this? No. Okay. Um, so Christmas, um, <laughs> we we still have the dream alive yep. in, in our house. Yep, absolutely. Um, but it, we're on the edge whether he's going to still believe this year or not, I don't know. Right. Um, but last year, one of our sort of routines at, at Christmas, we would go to this stately home um, in December that gets all lit up. Um, they have these amazing light shows in the gardens, and it's a, a nice little sort of stroll around the gardens, have a hot chocolate, um, and, and go home, and, and you feel all festive. And there is a Santa there who is um, at the upper end of Santa's. A very convincing Santa. Right? Okay. A lot of them are not. Um, and it's amazing when you've got a very young child and they still believe the person who's clearly in a fake beard. And it, I mean, he just, he's clearly 17 for a start. <laughs> you, know? Like, you, you know, just, you have those ones. This is not, this is like a good Santa. And two years ago, we were visiting. And as we were walking up, our boys called Eric, um, that stroll should take an hour. If it was left to him, it would take 15 minutes. He sprints and runs and just whatever. And there's loads of other people and they're all dawdling and you want to keep 10 yards between you and the group in front and whatever, you know, everyone wants to have their little private conversations. So there's a lot, especially at the beginning on Eric, Eric, come here, Eric, come slow down. Come Eric, please. I'm just sort of uh, a bit angsty with him. But what it meant is that the Santa heard his name as we approached and Eric didn't sort of realize that had happened. And as we approached the Santa, he said, Oh, hello, Eric. And his mind was blown. Like yeah. it was magic. Cut to a year later, we're returning. We're going with some friends. Um, the friends have got a boy who's a year older than ours. But again, the magic was still alive for both boys. And I'd remembered how much that meant to him when Santa knew his name. So before we went, and without the other parents knowing, I scribbled both boys' names on a little index card and put them in my coat pocket. And as we approached Santa, brazen as anything, just held the index card above the boys' heads where they're both gawping at Santa. <laughs> and Santa said, Oh, hello, Eric and Jasper. How nice to see you again. And I Amazing. put them both in my pocket. And not only were the boys amazed, but my wife and our friend, the other couple, are both looking at me going, Great dad work. 
Yeah. Superb. And it was a risk. If either of them had turned round at any moment, I've destroyed Christmas. No, you, you, you took the risk and you nailed it. You absolutely yeah. nailed it. Yeah, that yeah. Is, that you realise now that you've just said something which a lot of people this Christmas are going to be doing. Oh, absolutely. And they should, because it's worth it for that effect. That magic of it happening is, is amazing. That is a, a friend of mine. I could tell you this is, as my story and cheat, but it happened to a friend of mine. You know, you can do those trips to Lapland and, and things. Yeah. Uh, a friend of mine um, took his daughter for an overnight in Lapland and she had made a, a friendship bracelet. You know, those sort of loom band things that yep. young girls get into. And, and she had made a, a little friendship bracelet for Santa. Uh, but she put it in an envelope and posted it and then they were going to Lapland and she was like well I hope Santa's got my bracelet no um my friend recreated the bracelet he sort of remembered what colors it were had to recreate it make it at the quality that would be made by a seven-year-old girl (laughs) which isn't easy (laughs) yeah smuggled it with him to Lapland. Then at, when they got to the hotel said, can you please get Santa to wear this when we have our Santa visit? And he was wearing the bracelet that she knew she had put in an envelope and physically posted saying father Christmas North pole. So like anything you do to keep that magic alive for one more year. Yeah. Gold. Absolute gold. That is incredible. That is a very proud like parenting moment. That is that is incredible. So that's the proud parent. I've got to tell you this on a similar note, because yeah. my wife and I take it in turns each year who is going to be the one who sneaks into his room and hangs up the stocking. Yep. Yeah. Uh and there's some creaky floorboards in our house. Realistically, we shouldn't worry because we do have, although he doesn't go to bed very easily and he wakes up far too soon, once he's out, he sleeps. Like he's he's gone. Um but you still creep in thinking this is the year he's going to wake up and I'm going to be sprung. Uh, and two years ago, it was my wife was doing it and I was on the landing sort of stepping back, but I could see through the gap at the door as she tiptoed into his room. And as she did, he he didn't wake up, but he just did a full 180 degree rotation in the bed with a massive yawn. <laughs> And she did a commando drop and roll. <laughs> like, hit the floor and rolled under the edge of his bed in one swift movement that she didn't know she could do. <laughs> needs, needs must. Needs must. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely terrified. And was more likely to wake him up with the crash. <laughs> uh, but it was it was spectacular that that reminds me of the the time that i we forgot uh the tooth fairy and oh um, yeah and, and uh, our son woke up and went mummy daddy tooth fairy's not been i looked at charlie charlie looked at me i was like well, i thought you did it like, well yeah. i thought you did it i'm like no jeez oh, so i had to do the classic of have a two pound coin in my hand and go underneath the cushion, the, the pillow and go, no, 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 it's here. We obviously already had it in my hand. No, 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 it's here. Look, you've missed it. It's here. It's just here. Yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, and, and it's never happened again. Never happened again. We had an awful tooth fairy one where, um, they say living in an increasingly cashless society. <laughs> yes. Like 
you don't always have coins on you. No. Um, my our son gets five pounds a week pocket money at the moment. Um, and if I get a fiver in a shop, if if ever a fiver crosses my path, I'm like that's going in a secret place because. I really struggle to get five pounds of currency together yep. every week for my son's pocket money. So, um, there's a little sort of in my bedside drawer, there is, uh, there's a few coins and, and things. But when I was on tour, my son lost a tooth. Now we've had issues because there were kids at our school who were getting 10 pounds from a tooth fairy. <laughs> no, what, no, uh, don't stop that. <laughs> that. That is not fair. That's not on. It's, uh, you know, this is weird gone a pound. We'd been going a pound. Yep the tooth fairy um and then when i was on tour one of his teeth came out and my wife at the end of the day was texting me going have we got any money in the house i can't go out i can't go anywhere it's me alone and the kid in the house so i'm trapped now and i haven't got any actual hard currency on me. I don't know where anything is. I said, well, I'll check the bedside drawer. She opened it. There was nothing. And he got, he got 10 pounds for a tooth because <laughs> she decided that getting a massive overpayment, having received a pound each time thus far, <laughs> um, suddenly getting nothing would be more damaging than suddenly getting a tenner. So he, he sees it as an aberration. He's had a pound since. But he, he got £10 for this one tooth in the middle. And we, we've had to say, you must have cleaned that one so well. <laughs> that must have been the cleanest tooth to try and encourage him to clean his other teeth. Yeah. So because now does, does there he, is no explanation. Does he clean his teeth like so much now? He's there for like 10 minutes going, oh, this, this one's a 50 quid note, this one. <laughs> Well, no, because he's an eight-year-old, so that happened for two days. And then, it, you know, like th- those benefits don't actually last, do they? Um, with any of those things, they're very short-term thinking. Um, I find with an eight-year-old. Oh, I, I, there's the, the, uh, one of my questions was gonna, was going to be, you know, when when parenting has gone wrong. We've definitely covered those ones, so that's oh, yeah. uh, that's yeah, good. Yeah. Um, let, uh, I, I am a, I'm a big fan of you, and I love every everything that you've done you know i love every now and again you will catch me on a train watching you on youtube i think the last one i watched was um was when you got Catherine ryan to try uh marmite do you remember that she'd never tried it before i i i've i you know i don't even have a specific memory of that but she's not the only north american i have persuaded to try marmite <laughs> i'm sure it was her i'm, I'm pretty I, certain. I, i'm sure you're right i'm sure you're absolutely yeah. right um I'm thinking because I I did a run in a theatre in New York years ago, and while I was there, I was there for like three months, and I halfway through I found a shop in New York that spe- specifically sold English produce, and I yeah. bought Marmite because I'd been you know I'd been months without it, and it was really exciting, and I took it, I bought it on my way to the theatre that night, and I was full of joy, and all the staff there were like, "Why are you so excited?" And I was like, oh, "Look what I've got." <laughs> And they all tried it. And basically, if you weren't given it as a child, there is no entry point for you for Marmite. Oh, I, just, I can't stand it. No, I, although weirdly enough, I'll eat Twiglets. I'll eat Marmite, you know, with, I'll, I'll eat the Twiglets, but Marmite on itself, I, no. Uh, twiglets are a 
they're not as good as they used to be. They're not as marmite as they used to be. <laughs> that may be why I like them then. That's probably yeah. the reason. Yeah. But anyway, back to the work thing. What What is yeah, your, because yeah, you've, like you say, New York, you've, you've, you've toured worldwide. You, you've, you've been on our TV screens. What is your proudest working achievement? What's that? What, you know, what are the, what's that thing where you go? Yeah. You know, that was pretty darn amazing. Um, I think it's, it's the stuff that you couldn't even, imagine doing when you set off so when I, I started doing stand-up when I was 19 at the age of 19 you're doing stand-up it's no expectation that it's going to happen but obviously you think that'd be great to have a tv show like you know if I keep doing this maybe I could end up doing something like that so those things are even though they're unlikely even though you don't have any expectation of them happening they are things that you think are possible because they're they're on the roadmap of what you're doing. But there are weirder things like I played the Sydney Opera House. Wow. No, no, nineteen-year-old British stand-up is starting off going. Oh, maybe one day I'll play the Sydney Opera House. I, I I love those moments, and they sort of you don't know how exciting they are until you're there. Um, I did. I was. I was always a huge fan. Appearing on Letterman was wow. um, like to me was like that's it. This is such a thing. Just to be here, best seat in the house for this thing. And there's one moment in my interview where I make Dave laugh in his guts. There's a proper throaty laugh, and I was like, that's it. I've, yep. I've made Letterman laugh. I'm as happy as as can be. That's that's my gold. I love that. It is the reason I'm uh, uh, nominally I'm a, an Arizona Diamondbacks fan um, in baseball. So I got I got booked on Letterman once, uh, and then they bumped me. I turned up. Tony Bennett was on. Um, uh, Ellen DeGeneres was on, and everything was flying. And halfway through the show, somebody came into my dressing room and went, sorry to let you down, but you're not going to get on today. Um, yeah, it's the way the show goes. We try not to bump people. We're really sorry. It's happened. We'll get you back. Don't worry. Weeks go by and no phone call. And I get a phone call one day saying, could you be at the theater this time on this day? Yes, I could. Right. Don't, don't put it in ink yet. Pencil it in. It depends on the baseball. It's the world series. It's gone down to the last game. It's the Yankees against the Arizona Diamondbacks. If the Yankees win, Dave's a Yankee fan. He always has a Yankee on the show. If the Diamondbacks win, no one gives a <laughs> who you're on the show. So the night of the of the uh of what's that, what is it, uh, of the World Series. Did I say Super Bowl before? No, you said, you said I mean, baseball. I didn't say World, so World Series in baseball. The night of the final game of the World Series, um, me, my tour manager, uh, my then girlfriend, who's no longer uh, my girlfriend, um, and his girlfriend, four of us sat in a little apartment in New York, the only people in New York cheering on the Arizona Diamondbacks. The three of them were all flying home to England the next day. I was staying on because the run got extended, so I was staying for another six weeks. So this was their only chance to go to the show and be in the audience and things as well. And we were just 
screaming the roof off and the Diamondbacks played out of their skin. <laughs> they were not the favourites. And I can still see the picture with his little pencil moustache and chewing tobacco and whatever who just played out of this world. And we screamed the roof down as they won the game. And because of the Arizona Diamondbacks, I got my dream come true and I get to be right. a guest on, on Letterman. They get to be in the theatre that night. And uh, it was a sort of great end to their little trip to New York and a great way to sort of mark the halfway point of mine. That's amazing. That yeah. is like Letterman. That is legendary. You, you can't get much bigger than that, really, can you? The original, like, American big chat show. That's... It's a thing, and 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 this uh, only really means anything to comics. So the the best thing that can happen if you're if you're on doing a spot on Letterman, the sign that you'd really made it was that he'd invite you to the desk afterwards, right? To sit. I wasn't doing a spot. I was a guest being interviewed because they'd come and seen the show and they realized it wasn't like a traditional stand-up show. There wasn't a bit you could lift and put on, but they'd seen the show and they were like, we really want to get you on. We want you to talk about it. We can, we can hit beats from within it if we yeah. set it up as an interview and the way that we can't do if we try and get you to do 10 minutes that won't or five minutes won't represent it at all. So then I was, I'd sort of made a load of friends in the, in the American comedy community in New York. There was a club I used to go to every week to hang out with friends and, and do stuff. And I went there that week and they were all like, oh, did you get invited to the desk? And I, I was, I, I was at the desk. And that was like, whoa, that is like, that was even more you have made it. Like getting yeah. on it is one thing, getting to the desk is another. Not having to do the spot, but being at the desk, that's like, that's top draw. So yeah, I didn't even realize how much of a show off thing that was to say until I was saying it to, yeah. to New York comics and you could see in their eyes a sense of, oh, wow. Well, that's, that's just amazing. Do they, and obviously, do they pay for you to go there? Do they pay for your flights and everything like that? And no, I was, I was in New York at the time because I was right. doing, I was doing a run off Broadway at the time, right. which is, is why it had come up. Just amazing. So yeah. So those are the things that sort of like you, you have no expectation that it doesn't even feel like a possibility to the 19 year old who's setting out. So those sort of things kind of probably mean they're probably the highlights. And if me. you weren't, if you weren't doing what you're doing now, what would you, what do you think you, you would have done? What path would you have taken? Obviously this is where we are now. And this is you and I chatting and talking about David Letterman, but yeah. what, what could have been? I don't, I have no idea. Cause I started when I was 19. So I went to university and I, I studied maths, but I didn't do it because I loved maths. I, and I, I did it because I wanted to leave home. And that was my easiest route to leaving home, to becoming a grown up or whatever. Um, and the background I was the lower middle class kid at the comprehensive school the expectation was you're now going to go to university, right? So yeah. you, I just sort of was on that path and I went. And and in my first year, the end of my first year, I started doing stand-up. I did it all through my second year and then dropped out. Um, and whatever. I don't know that I could have got that degree. I was out of my depth. I, I, I wasn't as good as everyone else around me at that top of that subject. It wasn't, it wasn't my thing. Um, so I don't know if I would have even got my degree if I'd carried on. And I started doing a thing when I was 19. So I hadn't, I hadn't got to 
the first stage of what else it could have been. And when mm. I dropped out, my parents were very much like, well, you know, you should you should have something to fall back on. At least, you know, why don't you just finish your year and and, and get what you get and, and see where life takes you. And And I knew I didn't want to have something to fall back on because I think I would have fallen back on it if I'd had it. It was not having it made me work so hard. Yeah. Committing to it at that age and going, no, I'm, I'm, this is what I'm going to do. And I'm not giving myself safety net. So I've got no choice but to make it work. That was kind of important for me psychologically to make me work at it and try and, and work my hardest constantly and not ever have that sense of, ah, oh, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. I've got something else. So I don't know. And I'm full of admiration for the people I know in my trade who, gave up jobs yeah who had a car on the drive and a mortgage to pay and a kid in a cart or whatever at the point they went i'm giving this all up to do that that seems to me to be the bravest thing in the world amongst you know in in my field i did it when i was 19 with nothing to give up i had nothing i was penniless i was broke i didn't I, there was no risk yeah and, and i had that kind of the foolhardy sense of um of being 19 that you know nothing it just didn't seem like that big a deal so i i fell into something at such a young age where i hadn't even begun an adult path outside of it that i i genuinely have no idea i and guess what? maybe teaching like my mum was a teacher my granddad was a teacher i think i might have ended up there and where what how do you feel now because i i work i work in the radio industry and i think it's fair to say that kind of the older you get the the stations become a little they're a bit more targeted you know what i mean yeah 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 so what i'm saying is i'm going to smooth but you know you know what i mean <laughs> and and now i start to worry about what will i fall back on you know what would i do now if that radio work wasn't there is it similar in in your trade are you currently now thinking you know what do i need something now extra for if it ever you know um, no, not really. I mean, I've never, um, I've never been like a mainstay of television, right? I've never been one of those people who I've always got a TV series every year. I'm working on something like I spent, I've made one series, which we made five of, and I've had a couple of other things in the past, but most of my life I've not relied on telly for my yeah income my income is what i make as a live comic that's what i do for my livelihood mm. and that's always been what i've done for my livelihood since i was 19 and that's how i've always regarded it um and so when there's been a bit of telly that's gravy yeah yeah my livelihood is the the bread and butter of doing live stuff and i don't worry about that because it, the ticket sales have gone up and down a bit when I do telly. But the truth is I've always sold more tickets than people who get more viewers than me. I've always been okay yeah. at that. So I, I sort of don't worry about that. And, and it can get smaller and it will still be bloody lovely. I really enjoy doing it and it makes me very happy. And that's what I set out to do, make a living doing a thing that makes me happy. And I feel like I've pulled off a magic trick and I can do that. And so, like, I don't need to – I've never stressed about how successful the magic trick is. Just is it or isn't it enough? Mm. And it is. Um, 
And this is where I say the tour starts on the 1st of November at Loughborough Town Hall and it ends on the 13th of December in Bath at the Forum. Uh, Dave, it's been so lovely to finally, oh, finally chat to you. Honestly, it's, I've, I've had a ball and we've just, we've, we've been on quite a journey there, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you ever so much. That was a real, real fun. A Dad's Net original podcast.